This is Abacus. I'm Bob, the CPA. My guest today is Jeff Elliott. And if you've ever studied for the CPA exam, you've probably been to his website, another71.com. Another 71 was really the first social place that people could go and, and talk about the CPA exam. We'll talk about how he kept failing the exam. So what I would do is I would come home from public accounting, you know, my, my day job, come home. And like, the last thing that I wanted to do was study so I wouldn't study. And how he finally turned it around. If you're going to make it work, you really have to get rid of some of our inherent selfishness. All this coming up on Abacus. Let's go. Learn everything you need to know to have a successful and fulfilling accounting career. Whether you're on the partner track or you're making your own path, this is Abacus. Welcome back to another episode of The Abacus Show, where I bring together the best thought leaders, teachers, and accounting professionals from all over the world to share their experience, to help you become a top performer, and empower you to take control of your career. Today, I'm talking with Jeff Elliott. He created Another 71, a top CPA review forum, and the Ninja CPA review. And he has a fascinating story. After a bumpy road, he passed the exam at age 30 while working full-time and juggling family and community commitments at home. Today, we'll cover a lot of topics like how to overcome failing the exam so many times, the average age of CPA exam candidates, which is a lot higher than you would think, how he balanced studying while working full-time and not neglecting his family, a few CPA exam myths he wants to bust, and what he recommends you do with your free time after you pass the exam. I think you're really going to like this one, even if you're not studying for the exam right now. So that's enough for me. Let's get into the interview with Jeff Elliott. Jeff, welcome to the show. Hey, Bob. Thanks for having me on. So, Jeff... Today, we're going to talk a little bit about passing the CPA when you're working full time. I know you had kind of a rough go of it the first few times you took it and you learned some lessons and you've kind of taken that to help other people. I was wondering if you could give us a little bit of background on what is Another 71 and the Ninja CPA review and then kind of maybe tell us a little bit of your story about how you ended up starting that. Sure. Let's see, I was a struggling CPA candidate back in 2008, which seems like ages ago. And I had one morning, it was it was like March of 2008, give or take, and I just gotten my third 71 in a row on BEC, I believe. And um, so I did what any normal person would do. I started a blog <laughs> about failing the CPA exam, and um, I named it Another 71. At the time, I had no aspirations for it to be a business or even really anything that anyone would care to read. Going back, if I was, if I had planned on making it a business, it would have been like, pass the CPA exam, study hack, cpareview.com, and uh, make it real keyword rich. But uh, I wasn't even thinking about that at the time. And so keep in mind, this is back like pre, pre-Facebook, pre-Twitter, pre-social media. You know, people weren't social at all. We didn't even have like, you know, camera phones. Um, or at least most of us didn't. And so another 71 was really the first like social place that people could go and, and talk about the CPA exam. So at the time it was just this kind of ghetto looking blog where, um, I would have a blog post and some of the blog posts would have like 3000 comments. And so it was kind of a, uh, de facto forum. And so in oh, see, 2009, I think I added the forum and, uh, that, that blew up and took off. And, um, 2010, I quit my day job and I was able to do 
another 71 full-time. And I believe 2012, 2011, 2012, I started offering my own CPA review products under the name Ninja CPA Review. For those of you who don't know about Jeff's CPA exam prep, he tells it like this. Um, Ninja was, was kind of an accident in that uh, Ninja was just a, a study acronym that I came up with. It's just a, a different way of studying. Basically, the Ninja system goes like this. The N and the I are nail the concepts and take intense notes. Jeff recommends you read through the entire book, watch all the videos, and take notes on everything before you do any study questions. And number two is take nonstop multiple choice questions and just answer them all. Go through the entire book, every section, answer as many questions as you can. The J stands for just rewrite your notes. Rewriting your notes again, especially if you can take little acronyms or personalized notes, is going to help you remember the concepts better. And finally, the final A is it all comes together. This is your final review in the last couple weeks before the exam, where you rewatch the videos, study your notes, and plow through even more multiple choice questions, starting with your weakest topics first. The reason why I say to get the book and the videos out of the way first is because the way that the review course teach it is very inefficient because they teach to um, watch the first chapter over whatever topic and then work those questions over that chapter and then chapter two and then it repeats but like eight weeks seven or eight weeks into your far study like you don't remember what you did in week one so you have to go back and redo those questions anyway and so you might as well just do them one time and so it's, it's a more efficient and i think a more effective way of studying so going back to when you actually were taking the exam it looks like just reading your story online that you failed uh, a number of times and you obviously said you failed BEC with a 71 at least three times and that's where the name came from. What kind of just made it click for you that finally helped you kind of push it over the edge of actually being able to pass the exam? Well, my my problem was it was a it was a lack of, of a real work ethic. And so what I would do is I would come home from public accounting and, uh, you know, my, my day job, come home, and I had a small family and like the last thing that I wanted to do was study. So I wouldn't study. And instead I would play uh, Madden on PS2. And uh, then a week before my exam, I tried to cram and then go in and, and fail it. So, so basically my wife said, okay, um, we've been after this, we're at this for three years and we support you and all, but you either need to do this or let's just hang it up. So I said, I'm going to do it. And so, I started getting up early, started studying at lunch, started staying late at work, which I came up with the ELL plan, which is kind of a play on my name. So early lunch, late, and um, there's really nothing proprietary about that, <laughs> getting up early, staying at lunch, and staying late. But like, that's the plan that I came up with. And so it was, it was really just getting my butt in gear and studying. So I managed to pass all of my exams on the next attempt, except for um, I got back to back 74s on regulation. And uh, because of that, I lost my FAR credit. And on my second 74, oh, no. yeah, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, there were a couple of topics in, in, in uh, regulation that I hated. There were um, AMT, light and exchanges, and uh, like 1231, 1245, 1250 assets. And I'm like, you know what? I think I can pass without studying that crap because it's just, extremely boring. I was wrong. And so uh, it cost me. So it's, I scored that 74 and I lost my FAR credit. And so then I'm like, okay, uh, I guess I do need to study those. And so I studied, I studied them and then restudied everything else and scored a 92. And then went back in and passed FAR again. 
I'm not gonna lie. If I had gotten the the back to back seventy fours and then lost my far credit, I might have just given up right there. Uh, <laughs> so, so I guess what can we tell people who are maybe a few years along in their career, they haven't taken the exam yet or they haven't finished it, uh, and they're kind of probably at this point wondering, is it even worth doing? Would you say it was worth it for you? Yeah, absolutely. Because you know, I get I, I get a ton of email, and usually they it really pours in after score release time and. W- what I tell people is, you know, a year from now, when you passed, this momentary failure is going to be just a distant memory. Once you pass the, the CPA exam, like whatever it took getting up to that point, like it doesn't matter. Like they don't, they don't put an, an asterisk next, next to your CPA certificate or your permit to practice or anything, anything like that. And most employers won't ask you about your scores. And so it doesn't matter. So the only mistake that, that you can make is, is quitting. There was a lady on my forum who I think took 30 exam sections. And, you know, if she had quit after, you know, number 20, which most people probably would, she wouldn't be a CPA. And there's, there's certainly people out there who probably like scoff at the notion of someone taking an exam 30 times or whatever, but the CPA exam like doesn't have anything to do with how smart you are or, or really how much you know about accounting because, because most people in their jobs work in a specific area. So, so just because someone who works all day, every day in tax, just because it you know takes them 20 times to pass auditing has nothing to do with how good they are as far as a tax planner or tax preparer the average age of a, of a CPA candidate is like 29 or 30 anyway. So, um, and I think that's mostly because of the 150 hour rule. So people, people graduate from college and they, they don't want to go back to, you know, grad school or start a master's degree to get that extra 15 or 20 hours or whatever. So they start working and then they start going to night classes in order to get 150 hours. And so, Hey, if you're, you know, in your early thirties or even forties or fifties, I mean, I get people that, I spoke to a gentleman the other day on the phone who called me and he was, he was in his sixties and passing the CPA exam was just something that he always wanted to do. And it was just something that was gnawing at him that he had never done it and he was just going to do it. So anyone can pick up their CPA review materials at any time and start studying and pass. Like there isn't this progression of, of having to go back from scratch and relearning debits and credits and all that. You just need to jump in and, and just take the exam. That's really interesting. I had no idea the average age was so high. I kind of just assumed it was, uh, maybe this is just me projecting my life experience of just go to college, get your 150 and then take the exam right out of school. Yeah. I think, I think that's like, that was a uh, NASBA statistic. So the average age is like 29 or so. Wow. That's awesome. So you mentioned earlier the ELL thing, um, starting early before work, studying on lunch and studying in the evening. Is there anything else you recommend for people who are working full time or have families to kind of help them prioritize or make room in their life for studying for the CPA exam? Yeah, so you have to make what I would call a a time budget similar to your family's financial budget. And you only have so many hours in the day. And so if you are going to study, well, that is time away from your family and time away from other obligations. And so if you are going to study, then you need to give up what I would call your, your me time. Every, every minute that you spend on social media and doing whatever goof off hobbies that you might have is a minute that you're taking away from your friends and loved ones. And so um, oftentimes it's the families and their friends and loved ones that end up getting the short end of the stick because you're not going to give up on your CPA exam studying. That's set in stone. That's not negotiable. And so 
people end up stealing from their family time just by their goof up time because the CPA exam is really hard and, and mentally taxing and, and, and you don't really want to do it anyway. So it's much easier to binge watch um, a season of Netflix or something instead of studying. But for a short period of time, you have to give up your me time so you can study. So if you're not with your friends, family, and loved ones, and if you're not working, and if you're not doing other non-negotiable obligations, then you, then you need to be studying. And so it's really an exercise in not being selfish. And people who who their their family life struggle, because I've, I've spoken on the phone, I've gotten a lot of emails. I mean, I've been doing another 71 for almost eight years, I guess more than eight years now. And so I've gotten a lot of emails from people who people separated during their marriage, or people separated during the exam, or they flat out got a divorce. And it's just because people can't be, they, they can't forego their kind of like their own um, hobbies and just their me time. And so their spouse suffers and their spouse feels alone and they're sick and tired of their, their, of their spouse being away at a coffee shop all the time or locked away in the bedroom and they can't help with the kids and they can't help with the kids down at bedtime and they're never around to fix meals or let alone eat meals. And so they just, they're just tired of it. So um, if you're going to make it work, you really have to get rid of some of our inherent selfishness. And if you could correct just one myth uh, that you hear a lot or maybe a common question you get about the CPA exam, what would that be? Well, there's a lot of myths out there. One of the, one of the myths that I don't think will ever, I mean, will, will always stand the test of time is whether or not the CPA exam is graded on a curve. And no one really quite understands what all the psychometrics and all that stuff means. Um, and so that myth has been around forever and it will last forever, I'm sure. Because even, even if the AICPA came out and, and, uh, we're, and walked through everyone point for point about how it's not curved, people will always tend to believe that, that they only pass a certain number of people, which is why, I mean, you never see, like 90% of the people taking auditing in a window passing it, it's always like within a range of like 46 to 52% or something like that, give or take. And so, which lends itself to conspiracy theories, but so is the CPA exam curved? That's a myth. Um, I think a myth that, that people tend to believe is that the, the name brand review courses in, in the industry or the most popular ones or the most expensive ones are the, are, are the best ones and, you know, the absolute best. And the absolute best course out there is the one that specifically caters to the need of each person's individual learning style preference. Because like CPU review courses, they're, they've almost become commoditized because everyone has a book, everyone has AI CPA licensed content, everyone has software. And so what's the difference between the courses? It's deliverability, differences, instructor mannerisms. Some are very docile, some are very energetic. Some courses are very expensive, some courses are not. Some courses um, give you free updates until you pass. Some courses have an expiration window. And um, the myth is, is that because XYZ course came to my college and danced around the room and gave everyone free pizza and the instructors all recommend it, that that's the best one. And that's, that's just not true. The, the best course for anyone is the one that matches their learning style, budget, 
delivery preference, instructor mannerisms, et cetera, et cetera. I recently read an article where you were interviewed, and I think it was on CPA Excel. I'll try to get a link to that and throw it up in the show notes for this episode, where you talk about how you passed the exam and then all of a sudden you had a ton of free time and that you were trying to use that time to kind of keep pushing yourself forward and learn and grow. Is that still something you recommend for people after they pass the exam? It is because your brain becomes addicted to being fed constantly. And so it's like going from just eating a constant steady diet of like steak and protein and all this to just like going and eating salad or something and like, <laughs> and you know, or, or, or even worse feeding your brain with like social media crap, you know, going on a sugar diet or something. And so when you're in learning mode and then you shift out of learning mode, you almost go through, through withdrawals and something that I experienced and something that I've seen other people experience in the forum is it's this weird phenomenon where you almost, you almost miss the exam. I mean, not really, but you miss the structure, the process, your daily routine. And so, but there's no goal that you're going after. So you pass the CPA exam and now you're not trying to obtain any other type of licensing or, or certificate like the CMA or something like that. And so you don't, you don't really know what to do. And so I recommend that people start becoming like readers of business books. And I, I try to mix it up between fiction and, and a lot of nonfiction and, and um, business books. So I'm not, I am not disciplined enough to sit down and read a book, but I have become an, an, an audio learner. So I have an audible.com account and I've listened to, I don't know if it's hundreds, but I've listened to a lot of, of just business books and, and books on strategy and negotiating and just, just stuff that just makes you a more informed person. Because if you really want to differentiate, differentiate yourself in the marketplace, just be, just be more informed because, um, you know, most people right now go home from work and are, you know, playing Pokemon Go and, uh, or, you know, or what do we naturally gravitate, gravitate to checking Facebook updates and, you know, sports scores and, you know, fill in the blank to whatever your particular preference is for goofing off. And if you can fill that time with actually making yourself more, more knowledgeable, get a better perspective about, about business. And, um, I think, I think that is a real opportunity that's out there for people who have passed and are looking for something to kind of fill their brain. So audiobooks and podcasts. I love that. I've been doing the same thing and it's especially great if you have a long commute, it's a really good way to like make it fly by. If you're listening to a, a book you're really getting into and really enjoy. Are there any books that you've maybe read in the last six to 12 months that you would recommend people start with? The most recent book that I read, which kind of blew my mind, was it's a book called Pitch Anything. It's it's a book that's about in any social situation or any work situation or any any situation where you're trying to convince something someone of something. Within the conversation, there are there are competing frames, and so you were trying to convince them to see things your way, and they are trying to convince you to see things. Their way, but there's but there's different frames that people use. Um, like there's the power frame, there's the there's the time frame. So uh, let's say that you are trying to negotiate something, and or or you're a salesman and you you're trying to get in to meet someone, and you call them up and they say, Hey, yeah, yeah, no problem. I have I have uh, ten minutes. Well, 
they are putting you in a in a time frame. They are they are subordinating your position in the phone call to have the upper hand because they've just chained you chained you with with some rules and stipulations that you now must follow. And so the book goes through all sorts of different ways to counter the frame. So I counter to the to the time frame when they say, "Hey, yeah, no problem. I have I have a uh, ten minutes. Go ahead." Well, the counter to that is, oh, hey, no problem. I actually only have five minutes. And so it puts the ball back in your court in any social, social scenario where, there, where there's a lot at stake, like in a presentation or a pitch or something like that. It's just different ways to, to counter these, these obstacles that um, the opposition will put in front of you. And the book was fascinating because this guy used to uh, make – uh, venture capital pitches for all sorts of things. And so, and he was kind of a one man shop. So the book is pitch anything. And I think, I, I think everyone should read it. I agree. I'm actually halfway through that. It's funny you mentioned that it's one of the ones I've been reading on kind of off and on for the last two months. Oh, and cool. it's also a book I kind of resisted for a long time. Just, I think the accounting brain in me is like, oh, you know, I don't need to learn sales stuff, but you start kind of picking up like, oh, I could actually use this to get, you know, PVCs back from the client more quickly, just kind of putting them in this in this frame, that type of thing. And it's one of those skills that you can use in a lot more places than just outselling stuff. And it's especially important in your accounting career. So that's a, a great recommendation. Cool. Tell us where people can learn more about Ninja CPA and Another 71 or connect with you online or kind of just what do you usually tell people to come find you? Probably the easiest place to find me is just in in the Another 71 forum. So if you just go to another71.com and then you'll see links to the forum. I don't check how many active users there are right now, but the 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 oldest thread on page one is normally like one day old. So it's very active. If you have a question about the CPA exam or just need some study help or career help or, or whatever, it's, it's gotten to the point where I don't even really have to answer questions anymore because people just, the the community chips in and just helps people out. So that's a great way to get to kind of jump into the community and it's obviously free and all that. And then I also have a bunch of free free study material, so you'll you'll see on the site. You can just enter your email address, and um, you'll get all the demos of all of the Ninja materials. And I think just studying the demos themselves could add a couple of points to your score, just of all the stuff that's included in there. Then I also have the the CPA exam survival guide, which is my best selling free book, and you can download that for free. And that that's basically everything that I've like all of my best advice. I think. It's all packaged there in, um, in the CPA exam survival guide. So That's awesome. So we'll include some links for that in the show notes also. Everybody can head over there and get some free CPA exam study materials and also just get some help and advice from other people who've been through it and kind of understand what you're going through. So I guess that wraps us up for today. Jeff, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Bob. Thanks for having me. It's been cool. As always, thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, go ahead, tell your friends. Because the greatest compliment you can give me is a referral, either in person or shared on the web. 